0: Romans 15, context of the opening verse is the previous chapter has been talking about things that are right to eat and things that are wrong to eat, things that are right to drink and things that are wrong to drink, and the controversy surrounding that during their day related to things that the Old Testament had said were ceremonially unclean and and even things the church leaders said in Jerusalem about meat offered to idols. And there was controversy as some members weren't towing the line straight enough when it came to the kind of meat they ate. And some members were drinking too much. And so chapter 14, verse 21 says, It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. He was saying it's time to stop fighting about this and time to strengthen the weak and not tempt them to to either, let's say if you bring beer to the church picnic, that may not in itself be sinful if you don't get drunk, but there's some brothers and sisters that have been set free from that. If they have one sip, they fall off the wagon and, you know all hell breaks loose in their life again from which the Lord has helped them be free from. So they can't be playing with that stuff. And so out of concern for your weaker brother or sister, it's good not to serve alcohol at our picnics. There's a church here in town that used to have alcohol at all their picnics. And they got a new leader in place and he put a stop to it. And some of the old members of the church would fuss with him and say, Isn't it okay to drink, provided that we exercise temperance? He said, Yes. Then why can't we have alcohol at our picnics? He said, Because we are going to demonstrate our temperance by not drinking at our picnics. In our day and time, we understand that. But yet, certain things creep into the church called legalism. I mean, I know of one group of churches where... They kind of made a stand against the hippie movement. And by focusing on the evil, you know, the drugs, sex, and rock and roll of the hippie movement, they missed out on the Jesus movement because they were just harping on sin all the time and and missed out on seeing thousands of hippies come to Christ and get set free of that stuff. You focus on sin, it's going to get your eyes off of Jesus. And uh, anyway, during those days, they made a stand against beards. Men should not have beards because that's a sign of rebellion because of the hippie movement. Letting your whiskers grow is a sign of rebellion. Meanwhile, the founders of this group of churches had things like mustaches, things like that, but they were dead and couldn't speak up. And so a rule was imposed to distance ourselves from the world of evil. The hippie movement suddenly became the world. I don't know what they did with the world of politicians. They were clean-shaven guys, but anyway. And so... Now today, the hippie movement has long been gone, but they're stuck with this rule. Their leaders know it's ridiculous, and yet for the sake of their weaker brothers, they use this verse, the weaker brothers, they say it's good not for men to have facial hair. And in their context, the weaker brothers right now isn't the baby Christian that would be made to stumble. It's the old-time preacher that will get mad about it. If we grow in Christ, we don't need to be so weak. I mean, there's some nutcases that are in positions of authority in that thing that don't need to be listened to. They, it's, time for them, it's time for us to consider the weaker baby Christian who will be offended. I know one guy that won't ever go to church again because they threw him out of the choir for growing a mustache. I mean, who's the weaker brother in this scenario? I mean, think about it. And so we must exercise wisdom and actually think. And so, here we are in Romans, Paul's taking this stand. Verse 22, Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So if you don't feel right about having wine at dinner in your home, the privacy of your home, you don't feel right about it, do not do it. Do not do it. But if you feel okay about it, biblically, it's okay. I mean, Jesus turned water into wine. Just don't get drunk. When you get into drunkenness, morals go out the window. They really do. And for those people that love to hug the line of drunkenness and being tipsy, you better not get behind the wheel. Don't get behind the wheel and make yourself vulnerable to getting in trouble. Because there's corrupt police out there, and there's good police. I had a dream one time that I was pulled over for something I did. I was obviously hugging the line somewhere. They arrested me, put cuffs behind my back, and as I'm getting in the squad car, one of them slips something in my pocket. And I could do nothing about it. And I woke up. And the meaning of the dream, when God gives me a dream, the meaning comes instantly. And it was a a warning for someone, a couple people I knew. The meaning was, you need to distance yourself from evil and not hug the line lest you make yourself vulnerable to being falsely accused. What was I doing being arrested and being in a position for something like that to happen? False evidence to be slipped into my pocket. Amen. Can we give a hand for all the police that serve us? Amen. So distance yourself from Eve. It will save yourself a world of heartache. And a key is to follow your heart. If your conscience bothers you, don't violate it. Don't violate it. Verse 1 of chapter 15. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Can we say hope? Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Jesus died for our sins. We've been forgiven. The least we can do is put up with the weaknesses of one another. Right? The least we can do is distance ourselves from things that bother other people, especially in their presence. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Verse 8 Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant. Can we say servant? servant? To the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. And in him, the Gentiles shall hope. Any Gentiles in the house happy for the root of Jesse? Jesus. As God manifests in the flesh, he's the root of Jesse. And as a descendant of David, he's the offspring of Jesse. (laughs) Now may, verse 13, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you, the God of hope, would fill us with all joy and peace and enable us to believe the truth concerning you, one another, and life and our future so that we may abound in hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We've declared this summer to be the summer of hope. It's interesting to learn that Open Door Church and Joshua's declared 2012 to be the year of hope. The world needs hope. The world needs hope. Every day someone in the military is ending their life. And every 80 minutes a veteran is ending his life or her life. Losing hope. This is a tragedy. The people that are serving our country or have served our country are losing hope. We must abound in hope ourselves so that we can give hope to others. The last time I preached, I preached a sermon entitled How to Build Your Hope in Hard Times. Number one, we must know that we know that we know that God wants us to hope. He wants us to have genuine hope, not false hope. And he wants us to base our hope on the whole word of God. Some people's hopes have been dashed because they based it on a few scriptures and not on the whole picture of life and God's revealed will for our lives. The whole will of God. We need to grow our eternal perspective on life. Romans 8 says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. God foreknew that you were going to answer the call to Make him Lord of your life. He knew you were going to hear the gospel and you were going to be willing to receive saving faith. He knew it. And those he knew who would respond, he predestined. Don't get the sequence out of place. That you would be conformed to the image of his son. People like to argue about those who are predestined to go to heaven and those who are not It's not about going to heaven. It includes that, but it's more than that. It's about being predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. Before you were ever born, there's a destiny laid out for you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Those steps have been ordered by God for you and I to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Number three, we were called. Whom he foreknew, he predestined. Whom he predestined, he called. Verse 30, moreover whom he predestined, these he also called. called. He called us to salvation, and whom he called, he justified. And when we were saved, our sins were justified through what Jesus did on the cross. It's a finished work. God already had this in the plan. And whom he justified, verse 30 of Romans 8, these he also glorified. God calls us things which be not as though they were in his mind and heart you are already glorified yes your nasty self is glorified in the heart and mind of god we need to get that perspective so that when we get disappointed in life we get disappointed in ourselves we get disappointed in people know that your father has it all worked out and everything's going to work out for good To those who love God, for whom he foreknew, he predestined, whom he predestined, he called, whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he is glorified. Finished, done, completed, in past time. We get to enjoy the journey and discover the things that God has in store for us. Don't get all caught up in hyper-Calvinism, though. You know what the hyper-Calvinist said when he stepped on a rake and it flipped up and hit him in the nose? Boy, I'm glad that part of my life is over. We're not robots. Improve your biblical perspective on death. 1 Corinthians 15, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, that's us, even so in Christ all should be made alive, each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, all through the scriptures is the principle of first fruits. The first fruits belongs to God. And he's the first fruits of the resurrection. Christ the first fruits, and afterwards, Those who are Christ's, anybody here who belongs to Jesus, at his coming. He's the first fruits, we're the the later fruits. The last enemy, verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 15, that will be destroyed is death. The Bible acknowledges death is our enemy. Can we say death is our enemy? And one day it will be destroyed. Right now, in his life, Christ destroyed it. In our lives, we're waiting on His return. He's the first fruits. We're the last fruits, And death will be put under our feet as well. And so we need to get a hold of that. Memorize passages of Scripture. Romans uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is rich with this revelation. Don't be ripped off by holding on to your little promise box on your breakfast table. Read the Bible. It's full of stuff we need. And read these promises in context. It doesn't weaken them. It expands them. Everybody loves to quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You read in its context. Paul says, I know how to abound. And I know how to abase. I know how to exalt. I know how to be humiliated. I know how to be rich. I know how to be poor. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It means through Jesus. I can go through anything it doesn't mean everything's going to be great because of jesus everything ultimately will but in life there's challenges we face there's stuff we have to walk through and we can walk through it all through christ who strengthens us we must increase our appreciation for christ's resurrection get a hold of it you have to go to the holy land and look at that empty tomb It fits the biblical description. It's empty. Nobody's ever found the corpse. It's gone. The Romans guarded it so it couldn't be stolen. And yet, Christ began to appear to up to 500 of his followers over a period of 40 days before he ascended. History has been marked by the resurrection. What year is it? 2012. 2012. Well, how'd they come up with that? It all goes back to the resurrection of Jesus after centuries of fighting the resurrection story and trying to kill people that believe that the Roman Empire wound up embracing it and tried to hijack the church and make it one of their corporations so that they could control the masses. The fact is, he arose from the dead. And if he arose from the dead, he's the first reason. mine's coming next. <laughs> Amen. Enlarge your view of our promised future. The Bible's got a lot of stuff in it about heaven. Enlarge your view by reading those scriptures. Find ways to build up hope in others. He who waters, the Bible says, will be watered himself. You know someone struggling with hope? The Bible tells us to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us to everyone that asks. Some people aren't asking, but we need to be ready in case they do ask. And we also need to look for people who are so hopeless. That they're not asking. Maybe they feel unworthy or maybe they're filled with doubt. Find them and encourage them. Sometimes hope comes through actually doing something kind for someone. Amen. During this summer of hope, our church is participating in four different missions to other people groups. Let the orphans know somebody cares about them. There is hope. You do have a future. Don't give up. Hold on. The text today is May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray this for someone near you right now. Just read it together. Put your hand on someone's shoulder near you and say, May the God of hope fill you. The next few minutes I'm going to share how to abound in hope. How to abound in hope. Number one, we need to pursue knowing God as the God of hope. Psalm seventy-one five declares to God, You are my hope. O oh Lord God, you are my trust from my youth. He's our hope. Not our government, not our economy, not our denomination or our non-denomination. God Himself is our hope. Can I get an Amen? amen. Jeremiah seventeen. 8 begins with these words, Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river. And It goes on to say, this tree will always be green and fruitful. And this is based on the one who trusts in the Lord whose hope is the Lord. My hope's not just in the Lord. My hope is the Lord. Hope is a person, God. 1 Timothy 1 ends with these words, verse 1. The Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. We sang a song that quotes another verse. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory is not our hope. Christ is our hope of glory. Number two, we need to learn and believe His hope-bringing truth. Get a hold of truth that brings hope to our hearts. Earlier in the chapter, Paul wrote, verse 4, for whatever things were written before, that's the Scriptures, were written for our learning, that we through the patience or the endurance and the comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. There's patience in the Scriptures. The Scriptures have truth that will help develop your endurance. One verse that's an example of this is Jesus Himself said, in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I, will, I have overcome the world. So He's the first fruit. He's overcome the world. We're going to overcome the world. And so the truth that's in the Scriptures gives us hope because it gives us the accurate picture that there are hard times in life. There are unexpected challenges. There are disappointments. There is futility existing in the world. According to the Scriptures, God subjected the earth to futility. All is futile, Captain, if you've ever seen that episode from Star Trek. The greatest thing man can do isn't going to fix the global warming problem. I mean, we've got a problem. All is futile. And God has done this so that man will realize he needs a Savior. It's there in Romans 8. On Mars Hill, in Acts, Paul said these words. He says, God has determined the boundaries of man in hope that they'll search for him. This whole illegal alien thing, the only remedy to this is Jesus Christ, I'm telling you. Oh, you may know what needs to be done, but guess what? It ain't going to happen. So rather than get upset about it, let's reach out to the aliens in our midst and give them hope. They wouldn't be breaking laws to come here if things weren't so hopeless in their country. It's true. Trying to make the world a better place. But today we all have hope in Jesus. Amen. Number three, we need to discover and resist all hope-robbing hopes. Oh, I wish I could shout this part of the sermon from the housetops. What is a hope-robbing hope? A false hope? Have you ever been defrauded? Someone made you a promise with no intention of keeping it? Just to get you off their back? Yeah, I'll give it to you tomorrow. I'll give it to you tomorrow. I'll give it to you tomorrow. There's business here in town that took $700 from one of our soldiers for a, to buy a product that they make at this place, supposedly. It still has not been provided. That's That's thievery. That's defrauding. To give someone a desire that cannot righteously be fulfilled is defrauding. Ladies, to dress immodestly so as to induce lust in the hearts of men is to create a desire that cannot righteously be fulfilled. That's defrauding. We must be careful and care about our fellow man and not just ourselves. Well, this is just who I am. Well, yeah. Why don't you just run around naked then? We must care for those who are weak. Well, men shouldn't be so weak and lustful. Well, they are. (laughs) They are. Now, I'm not going to the extreme, say, let's go to Islam, where women have to cover from head to toe. That's stupid. Yes, I said it. (laughs) S-T-U-P-I-D. Dumb. But you know what? Even that's futile because the Achilles heel of Islam is the women. As they come into the kingdom, you watch. They're going to get fed up with this crap that is being put on them and be hoping for a Savior. Tell me how you really feel, Pastor. Okay. We must discover and resist all hope-robbing hopes. Sinful hope will rob you of hope because sin creates loss. The wages of sin is death. It'll bring death to your relationships. It'll bring death to your hopes. So to hope for your neighbor's wife, this is a sinful hope. May God purify our hopes and make them righteous. To hope for someone else's husband? This is not good. This is coveting. This is... This is going to lead you to hopelessness and despair. It robs you of hope. Misplace hopes. To put all your hope in your political party? Hello? Well, I'm in the Tea Party. Guess what? The Tea Party can be hijacked by the Republican Party. I mean, people are people. They're people. They're sinners. I'm not saying not to vote. I'm going to vote point is, put your hope in the Lord, in something eternal, something that will last, something that will not destroy your hope. <laughs> Hoping that lies are true. Just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's the truth. I mean, who's been embarrassed more than once, affording something that wasn't true? You hoped it was true, but it wasn't true. Snopes exposed. The lie. Hoping that lies are true is just it's going to lead to hopelessness because truth will stay. Hoping for a better past. I mean seriously people are doing this. Oh I just wish I hadn't done that. You did? Now let's deal with it. Just wishing I wish I had a time machine. Well you don't. So let's move ahead. That's a false hope. And people do it all the time. It's dumb. I mean, think about it. Sorry, man. Better better wrap this up. Hoping that you are not you. Oh, I just wish I had different hair. Or I just wish I had hair. (laughs) Do what you can do. Do what you can do. And pursue the Lord. Get rid of these hopes that don't help you. And beware If, if if-only-itis. That's a disease. That's a virus. If-only-I'd have done this. Or if-only-I'd have done that. And some of us need to stop shooting on ourselves. (laughs) Oh, I should have this and I should have that. And I should have this and I should have that. You should have stopped shooting on yourself and begin to do something with today that will help strengthen your hope. All right, I'll hush. My final point is we need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with power. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with power. Yes, I said the Holy Spirit. It's in the He's in the Bible. Jesus called him Him. Who wants the Holy Spirit to be all that Jesus said he would be? You know, some places they don't want that. And that's not real smart. That's like inviting Dana Vollmer to be on your swim team and telling her you don't want her to do that butterfly thing. <laughs> you know? Like recruiting Michael Phelps to be on your swim team and telling him to tone it down a little. Holy Spirit, be yourself in our midst. Be who you are in Jesus' name. Now I'm not saying, call things the Holy Spirit that may not be. But let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Our text today, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. May he fill us with all joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who's willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians, verse 17 says, Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is waste, but be filled, we say filled, with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How are we filled with the Spirit as we worship? He is here. We just need to make ourselves available to Him. May He fill us up. May He fill us up this morning. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I invite you to fill us with joy and peace by the power of your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with the power of your Spirit. As we end the meeting with some worship, I pray that you would fill us as we're worshiping you, Lord. We've come most of all to give you honor. and We thank you, Lord, that you're worthy and that you're revealing yourself to us and that you're helping us to abound in hope because, Lord, we live in such a hope a lacking world. Help us as believers to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can give hope to those who are hopeless. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: You're the God of the city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. the light in the stars.
0: peace and may he be your hope in all things may you abound in that hope in Jesus name amen let's continue worshiping him if you need to go feel free to go you're not captive here but I'd like for us to give the Holy spirit some time to fill us as we
1: minister to you the God of this city. to the rest
0: You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury.